Red Rocks Church, how we doing? All right, all right. I like that. I like that. You guys are excited, excited to be in church. That's a good thing. I believe with all my heart, man, that if you walk in here expectant, excited to be here, expecting to experience the God of the universe, that you will experience him, and you'll walk out of here different than how you came in, and so I hope that you showed up expecting today, man. I really hope you do. I know I am. I'm very expectant and confident in the direction of the message that, that we're about to hear and the direction that God has for us today, but before we do that, I just want to say this because it's the DNA and heartbeat of this church, just in case anybody in here is new or you've just had one of those weeks and you need a reminder, but whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, however, whatever kind of week you've had this week, if this is your first time in church, if your very first word as a baby was Jesus, okay? Whatever your story is, listen to me, you are welcome at this church, amen? You are welcome here, you have a home here, and you're in good company here no matter what because all this is, the building that you walked into today, this is just a bunch of messed up people doing our best to pursue a perfect God. That's all this is. And we believe that that God is in the business of redeeming and restoring and taking broken pasts and transforming them into powerful futures and powerful testimonies. And that God, the God of the universe, wants to meet with you today. And because of that, you are in the right place right now. You're in the right place. He loves you just the way you are, except you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you the way you are. Amen? All right, and we're going to meet with that God in the next hour. I believe that with all of my heart. So you're in the right place. So welcome to church. Let's welcome all of our locations to Red Rocks Church. Welcome Lakewood. We love you guys. Welcome Arvada and Evergreen and Littleton and Brussels. And I just learned this, I keep, uh, I keep meeting people who live in different states, literally, and they're a part of this church via technology. Technology's so awesome. They call Red Rocks Church their home and watch this every single weekend. And so let's welcome them right now. For all of you in a different state, it's humbling for us and we want you to know that you are an important part of this church. And if you're listening to this in your headphones at the gym at a later time, we love you. Welcome to Red Rocks as well. If you are a dude in the gym right now with your tank top during, doing bicep curls in front of the mirror, watching yourself, you're better than that. You need to stop that right now. I always do that just on the small chance that some guy really is doing that and then he's just, God? Like, yes, son. This is me. Stop doing bicep curls in front of the mirror. Go do leg day and lunges in a dimly lit room with no mirrors by yourself, and then you shall receive your reward in full. That's Matthew, that's Matthew 652 or something. I'm kidding. It's Luke 652. Jesus was super into lifting back in the day. And now, now he can lift the whole planet just like that with no protein, no creatine monohydrate. He's just, he's that strong. Thank you, by the way, for laughing at my mediocre, very subpar jokes. You can keep that up the whole night. This is good for my self-esteem and confidence. You have no idea how much that means, all right? I, uh, oh, really quick, I've actually been looking forward to this all day, but can you guys get loud and proud and maybe even a little bit rowdy and help me welcome all the men and women at both of our God Behind Bars campuses? We love you guys. Yeah. You are awesome. Thank you for being a part of our church. And this is me trying to figuratively give you a hug 
through the camera. I hope you feel the love because it's here on this side. We love you guys. And um, my name is Doug Weckenman. For those of you I have not met, I'm one of the young adults pastors here at Red Rocks, which means I preach on Thursday night. And I'm kind of spoiled on Thursdays, to be honest with you. I see a lot of you guys in here right now. I'm kind of spoiled because it's a good crew on Thursday night. And I feel like this is a good crew too. I just have a feeling this is gonna be a good week at all of our campuses. But on Thursdays, like, people applaud and, and start cheering and get loud and shout amen, even when I say, like, nothing that's really profound at all, right? And they laugh at jokes when they're good. They laugh at jokes when they're bad. And so if you'd like to do that today, I will not fight you. I will not fight you. I'll take all the confidence boosters that I can get. But um, I'm very, very grateful to be here. The reason I'm here, I guess, is because my leaders, my bosses and friends, uh, Sean, Chad, Scott, BZ, and Eric Parks are five of the most generous, humble guys that I know. And it's important that you know that because they'll never tell you that themselves. And so I'm gonna do it for them, but they are so incredibly generous. In, like not just financially, but with like opportunities and with platforms, you know, like this is not a common thing for leaders of an organization this big to hold everything that God gives them just like this, you know, with open hands. And I think, I think that God just looks down and goes, I, I like that. I can work through men like that. And I believe that's one of the X factor reasons for why this church is so blessed. And I'm just so very grateful to them for giving me the opportunity to preach this weekend. And grateful to you, by the way, for letting me preach at Big Church this weekend. And I still call it Big Church. Maybe next year when I'm 30, I will no longer do that. We'll see. But if you're taking notes, I'm gonna give you the title of the message right now. Really quick, any Friday Night Lights fans in the room? Loud and proud, I need to see you. Okay, I need you right now to come through for me and finish this sentence, okay? Here we go. Clear eyes, full hearts. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. That's what Coach Taylor says to the team every halftime when they're down by like 20 plus points so they can miraculously come back in the second half every single episode. It makes for awesome, awesome TV. Clear eyes, full hearts, cannot lose. Today, I'm gonna fulfill a little bit of a dream I've had for a while now. I'm gonna pretend to be Coach Taylor. I'm gonna take that sentence, but I'm gonna tweak it a little bit for the title of this message. We're gonna call this Thick Skin, Soft Hearts, Can't Lose, okay? And so every time I say Thick Skin, Soft Hearts, yeah. you, all right, you did it. One more time, Thick Skin, Soft Hearts. Yeah. All right, awesome. If you can do that, we might just be in for a, an awesome day of church if you guys can keep this up. Thick Skin, Soft Hearts, Oh, can't lose. I wasn't even expecting you to do it on that one, and you did. I love it. All right, let's pray, and then we'll get going. God, I thank you so much for this church, for my church, God, for every soul at every one of our campuses listening to this. I pray that you would speak to each person individually because we don't need a, a seminar or speech or even another sermon. We need to encounter your presence, God. And so I pray that we'd experience you that's all I ask, but I ask it boldly right now. And we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, we'll start with a confession. I'm not proud of this, but I'm gonna tell you, in college, I was the stereotypical campus guitar guy in college, okay? If you don't know what, I'm, what I mean by that, I'll tell you. On a, on a typical sunny afternoon, you would find me at the quad 
in board shorts and flip-flops and no shirt because I conveniently forgot it in my dorm room, just like pulling an acoustic guitar out from behind the, the nearest tree and playing Jack Johnson, Jason Mraz, or John Mayer, depending on the day, for poor, unsuspecting females on their way to classes who had no clue that all I could really do was play four chords, okay? So young single ladies in here, listen to me. This might be the most important thing that you write down all day. This is a trap. Do not fall for it, okay? <laughs> It is far easier than it looks. I'm giving away the biggest secret of all of us mediocre guitar players right now. Far easier than it looks. Don't fall for this. And don't think that it's different in the Christian world either because I I met Jesus halfway through college and all that changed was I just switched from playing John Mayer to playing Hillsong United on my guitar because it's still just four chords and a capo. It really is to do it, you know? And so I, I, I bought a moleskin journal and a genuine leather Bible and I cried while I read it and journaled during sunsets where I would do spontaneous worship sets, this time to impress Christian girls, okay? So, Christian women in here, listen to me, this is a trap. He might be legit, I'm not saying he's not, but it doesn't mean that he is. Just because he has a tattoo of a cross does not mean he's a man of the cross. Oh, and that's not even part of the sermon, that's just free for you today. You're welcome. But that was me in college, and uh, you know, I was insecure then. I'm totally not now, but I was then. And uh, I think those insecurities were rooted in an infamous event that took place when I was 13 years old. I, was at, I just learned how to play the guitar, and my brother and I would always beg mom and dad on a Saturday afternoon to drop us off at Guitar Center while they ran errands so that we could play guitars that we could not afford and walk around dreaming about all the equipment that we were going to buy one day when our band blew up and we were rich and famous, which never happened. But, you know, God works out all things together for your good, so thank you, God, your glory. And uh, maybe it'll happen one day. It won't. I love ministry. I love it. Um, okay, I'm 13, I'm in Guitar Center, minding my own business. I'm two weeks in to knowing how to play the guitar. And so I'm playing the intro to a Blink-182 song. This detail's important. Blink-182 songs are beginner status, okay? And, and kind of like Taylor Swift songs. I'm not knocking on T-Swift. Girl knows how to write a song, okay? On my way to church today, I was blasting Shake It Off in my car with the windows down in a grande, jade citrus, green tea in my hands with no shame and all the pride in the world, okay? I love Taylor Swift. I'm just saying her songs are easy to play. So are Blink-182 songs, okay? And so I'm playing this song. Minding my own business, I kid you not, this actually happened. This guy who was like 30 years old with his girlfriend that I think he was trying to impress walks by, sees me, gives me the most condescending look I've ever seen, and, go, and, and seriously, he, go, he says this, Blink-182, huh? That's cute. <laughs> and then walked away. As a 13-year-old kid with a soft heart and thin skin, that's like a soul wound. You know, like that stuck with me for a long time. I'll take, I'll take a broken bone and blood any day over a soul wound like that, you know? Now I can look back and I'm like, dude, like, sorry I'm 13 years old and I just learned how to play. Like, I'm not bothering you. Is your girlfriend really that impressed by you? Like, baby, you sure showed that 75-pound, five-foot-nothing, eighth-grader, Who's boss? I love you. Let's get married, you know? I hope they are married. They deserve each other, you know? Anyways, 16 years of counseling later, and I am healed. Happy to say in front of all of you today at every campus, I am healed 
from that. And now it's a great sermon illustration that soul wounds hurt, especially when your skin is thin, you know? And I guess where I'm going and the question I want to ask is this. So, like, what do we do with the fact that people, including Christians, including me and you, hurt each other and say mean things to each other and offend each other and annoy each other and even sometimes secretly celebrate the failures and weaknesses of others because it makes us feel better about us, you know? When Jesus, the Son of God, tells us, actually commands us, no, 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 you're supposed to love each other unconditionally. He says this, Matthew chapter 22, 37 through 39. This is Jesus, red letters in my Bible, okay? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so let's just talk honestly. God is easy to love because he's invisible and he's always awesome. But people, people are not always awesome and people are not invisible. They're up in your business and they annoy you and they say mean things and they offend you and they don't text you back, right? And they drive the speed limit in the left lane (laughs) and they, they cut you off in traffic. And they root for the Patriots and sometimes even the Seahawks. And yet Jesus is saying, no, 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 love each other. Love each other unconditionally. Forgive as I have forgiven you. Bear with each other. Be an expert in their strengths, not their weaknesses, right? Give each other the benefit of the doubt. This is what Paul says in Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so I guess, I guess the goal, and here's, here's where I'm going with this. The goal is that as a church, as individual Christians and a community of faith, that as we move forward and as our church gets older, right, and as life happens and as people say things and as the world hurts us and as the world continues to move faster and faster in the opposite direction of where we as a community of faith are trying to go, that our skin would get thicker And simultaneously, our hearts would get softer. That rather than becoming jaded with a hundred chips on our shoulders or offended or angry or bitter or insecure, that we get tougher to offend and better at loving people. Thicker skin and softer hearts because thick skin, soft hearts can't lose. Thick skin and soft hearts cannot lose. And so here's how, here's how I want to explain it. And uh, okay, this axis right here, like welcome back to 10th grade, right? <laughs> this axis right here is going to represent the health of your heart, not cholesterol levels. <laughs> Spiritually, emotionally, the health of your heart. So the Bible says a soft heart is a healthy heart, right? A soft heart is good at loving God, good at loving people, worships easily, a healthy heart. But even as Christians, we are all susceptible and in danger of, as life happens to us, developing harder and harder hearts, okay? This axis, or this, yeah, this axis, axis is your skin, the thickness of your skin. So is your skin thin? Like, are you easy to offend? As a Christian, do you get your, like, your feelings hurt quickly by the world, by things that people say? Or is your skin thick? 
Are you tough to offend? Are you tough to knock down? As an agent of invitation into the kingdom of God, are you durable and resilient, right? Thicker skin and softer hearts up here. And I guess this, this quadrant up here would be the goal. Now, Jesus Christ is the ultimate picture of a man who lived his entire life in this quadrant. Up here is where you can live a life as a Christian that is powerful and effective, where you love people well, you have a lot of love to give and nothing to guard, right? That's where you live up here. King David, you know David and Goliath from the Old Testament, that David, he spent the majority of his life somewhere up in this quadrant up here, right? Thick skin and a soft heart, okay? He had such thick skin, you could not offend David, okay? The only way that you got King David to fight back was if you belittled his God, and if you belittled his God, literally, he would either cut your head off or conquer your entire kingdom, and I'm not kidding. Go read the Old Testament. It's crazy. Thickest skin ever. He also had an incredibly soft heart. He was passionate, loved God, loved people. He was known as a man after God's own heart, right? He, he wrote 73, I think, out of the 150 Psalms, which are ancient poems full of emotional highs and lows and joy and tears, right? And he played the harp. I mean, come on, soft heart. Like, <laughs> he, David was the uh, stereotypical campus harp player. That's who David was. I picture young David out in the pastures with just his sheep, like, playing his harp, crying and journaling in his moleskin journal under the stars around a fire, right? With just his sheep. But you couldn't even make fun of him because he'd rip your face off if, if, he, if you did, you know? He conveniently forgot his shirt at his dad's house in Bethlehem, right? That's David. But you'd walk up to him and be like, hey, David, cool harp, bro. <laughs> Dead, right? So quick. Because the thickest skin in the world, because thick skin, soft hearts, can't lose. Okay, and so this quadrant, I guess, this is where you can unconditionally love a world that hates you because no comment can touch you, right here. In this quadrant, we can be advocates for people, not accusers of people, right? In this quadrant, we live like Jesus. And just keep in mind, we get here, wherever you are on this, and we're gonna talk about all of it, but we get here on purpose, okay? Nobody accidentally stumbles into this quadrant. You're not gonna wake up 20 years from now and be like, wow, I'm more like Jesus without working to be more like Jesus, okay? On purpose to get here because if you just leave your spiritual vehicle shifted into neutral, the natural progression for all of us as human beings is to drift somewhere into one of these other three quadrants. And so let's talk about them. First of all, thick skin and a hard heart. Thick skin and a hard heart. And so this is for those of us who have have thick skin, and, and just really quick, thick skin is an amazing quality. It means you're resilient and you're durable, and the Bible actually says, yeah, that's an awesome quality to have. Proverbs 19.11 says, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So the Bible says, yeah, thick skin, something you should strive for because it makes you tough, it makes you durable. But if you're not careful, the natural progression as your skin gets thicker is for your heart to get harder as well. So your skin gets thicker, but you also get number. Your skin gets, you get more resilient, but people in general just start to annoy you more, right? Like any modern, fa modern family fans in here, Jay the grandpa, He's the, the poster boy of this quadrant right here. 
because he's not very good at loving people. Maybe once upon a time he was, but he's not anymore. But we love him because his redeeming quality is his thick skin. He says it like it is. He doesn't get his feelings hurt. And it's actually very, very refreshing, right? But when your heart is hard, the danger that you run into is losing your people perspective. And what I mean by that is, I'll explain it this way. Like there's a reason that that person your friend, your sibling, your boss, whoever it was, there's a reason they said that mean thing to you or did that mean thing to you. And that reason has way more to do with them than it does you. Like they're insecure, they're in pain, they're frustrated with life, they're having a horrible day or a horrible year and that's why they did it, right? But you don't have the, the you, can't, you can't see it from their perspective because your heart is hard, right? You can't empathize from that perspective because you lose your people perspective with a harder heart. When your heart grows hard, you have a hard time genuinely celebrating the victories in other people's lives, right? And you see differences, people who are different than you, you kind of see it as a threat and you can't celebrate the fact that they're different. And I'm not just talking about disagreeing with, with lifestyles or opinions of other people, but when your heart grows hard, you tend to take it past disagreeing and you begin to make fun of people who are different with different opinions. And you might be showing off the fact that you have thick skin, but you also reveal a very hard heart that's full of a lot of insecurity and fear that for some reason sees insecurity or differences in other people as a threat. You know, like my friend from Guitar Center with thick skin, Pick the easiest target in the room to put down to build himself up, right? Or maybe with a hard heart, and, and I've been here, so, and, and this is so natural, and I get it. Like maybe you were hurt by the world or hurt by a relationship, and so your natural defense mechanism is to get thicker skin and a harder heart until you're like a turtle completely protected in its shell, crying out to the world, world, guess what? You can't hurt me anymore. I will not open myself up to be hurt by you anymore. And you're right but you pay a very, very steep price, which is why living with a soft heart is horrifyingly risky, but at the very same time, the only true way to ever experience life to the full, right? And so if, if this is you right here, thick skin and a hard heart most of the time, I'm gonna say two things. Number one, your thick skin is such a weapon for the kingdom of God because you're durable, you don't get knocked down easily, and now more than ever in the church, we need people like you. And number two, you'd be so much more powerful and effective as a Christian if only your heart was softer than it is. And it can be. Okay, so that's this quadrant. Let's talk this quadrant. Thin skin and a soft heart. Okay, so Jesus says a soft heart is a healthy heart because a healthy heart loves God and loves people well, worships easily, okay? I think that's why Jesus got so frustrated with the Pharisees for the hardness of their hearts. Mark 3, verse 5. And Jesus looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their hearts. So Jesus came to melt our hearts, right? And when your heart is healthy, when it's a soft heart, like you feel joy in joyful situations, you cry in sad situations, you laugh when things are funny, you easily and genuinely can celebrate victories in other people. But your thin skin makes you less effective at getting that love to people, at getting that love to the world because you're easily offended and easily slowed down. 
and you're even uncomfortable right now because I'm using you in this illustration because your skin is thin, right? So to complete our modern family theology, Cam, Cam, poster boy for that quadrant, okay? Softest heart in the world, and that's why we love him. Thinnest skin in the world at the very same time. If you can believe it, the apostle Peter was actually here the night that, uh, that Jesus was arrested, the weekend that Jesus was crucified. Okay, uh, Peter, Peter's here because he had a very soft heart, loved God, loved people well, was super passionate, but he denied knowing Jesus to a 14-year-old girl at a bonfire, okay? Super thin skin, but just because he started his journey here doesn't mean he stayed here. Peter, following his best friend, his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, finished his life here. And Peter was actually the rock that the church was built on and is the reason that we're in this room today, any of our rooms today, right? Peter, Peter started the church and preached the least sugar-coated sermons to massive groups of people where thousands of people at a time came to know Jesus Christ. And he was constantly threatened with death and in and out of jail. And then in 68 AD, when Rome was about to crucify him, he requested that Rome crucify him upside down because he felt unworthy to die in the same way as his best friend and Lord and Savior Jesus. Thickest skin in the world. And so his heart stayed healthy and soft and passionate and good at loving people, but his skin got thicker and because of that, he became a powerful agent in the hands of, of, a, of a divine architect, right? He became so effective at changing the world because with thick skin and soft hearts, you cannot lose. And so if you're here, if you're here, and in case you're wondering where I am, I'm all over this board, depending on how many hours of sleep I got last night, whether or not I've had coffee, if I have a headache or not, or if the Broncos won, okay? I'm anywhere on this board. But wherever you are in your journey, you do not have to stay where you are. In fact, that's the point of being a community of faith that is striving to look more and more like Jesus, right? That we preach ourselves into this quadrant. Because corporately, we are a, we are a force to be reckoned with when individually... We each become the, the, our own most important preachers and preach ourselves into this quadrant with six easy words and one simple message that thick skin and soft hearts cannot lose, right? Corporately, we are forced to be reckoned with when individually we pursue that quadrant. And so if you're, if you're here, I'll just say this to you, thin skin and a soft heart, because oftentimes these two things just seem to come as a package deal, right? Just like these two do. So if this is you, two things. Number one, your soft heart is such a weapon for the kingdom of God and the love that you have and the compassion that you have to give a lost and broken and dying world is so, so needed right now. Own it. Do not apologize for it. And number two, you would be so much more effective and powerful in the kingdom if only your skin was a little thicker and you weren't as easy to offend and stop. And so, that leaves the bottom left, and all of us, I guess, are in danger of thin skin and hard heart where there are no redeeming qualities whatsoever, right? Like, if you've, uh, if you've seen Gladiator, well, first of all, any, vi any like, villain in any movie, um, usually there's, like, something about them that, like, is kind of redeeming them, so you're like, I kind of like you, even though I know I'm not really supposed to, but in Gladiator, Commodus, the emperor, there's nothing about him that you like. Thinnest skin, hardest heart, 
put himself before an entire kingdom, winds the entire movie, and at the end of the movie, when he dies, and if I spoil that for you, it came out in 2001, that's on you, that's not on me. <laughs> at the end of the movie, I'm like, you know, Commodus, my, like, that was my favorite part of the movie, was when you died, okay? Don't judge me, you feel and think the exact same thing. And it's probably because I see a little bit of this in me. This is the flesh. This is the old man. This is a seed of pride that every human being is born with, right? And sanctification is the process of God refining this and destroying this so that all that's left is looking more and more like Jesus. Get rid of the flesh, leave the spirit, right? Less of this and more of this, which is why even in bad situations, God truly can work out everything for the good of those who love him, right? Not necessarily by changing circumstances, although he does that sometimes, but listen to me. He will always, always, always use your trials and your tears to accomplish something beautiful. He sees your pain. Like if you're in pain right now in this room, if you're walking through a valley, oh my gosh, does God see that? You have to know that. He counts your tears. He is in that valley with you and you will come out the other side stronger than how you went in because you will have less of this and more of this because thick skin and soft hearts can't lose. And so, worship team, you may now join me on the stage at this time. If thick skin and soft hearts can't lose, then I guess the question we should ask is, how do I get that? Okay, give me something to do. What do I do? And the answer for moving in this direction, and this should not surprise you because you are, in fact, in church today, is by fixing our eyes on the picture and the example of this, who is the person and work of Jesus Christ. Because you will start to look like the one that you follow. You will start to walk, talk, and live like the one that you worship, right? By fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ and by becoming our own most important preachers and talking ourselves into this. Tomorrow morning, all week, every time you need it, you are the most important preacher in your life. Your best source of encouragement is you because you're not always gonna get that encouraging text message when you need it, right? You are the most important preacher in your life and you now have a very simple message to preach to yourself in any and every situation. So the Broncos lose and all you wanna do is throw your remote control straight through the drywall, but thick skin, soft hearts, can't lose, right? It's been a long Monday and you're on your way home and apparently everybody's forgotten how to merge like decent human beings and you really wanna show somebody that they're number one, but thick skin, soft hearts, can't lose, right? Those people are gossiping about you behind your back and you know it's wrong. You know their information is incorrect, right? And if they could only see how hard it's been for you and how hard you're trying and the pain that you're in, like, and you want so badly to fight back because you're like, well, I'll fight dirty. Two can play at this game, right? But you press pause and you realize that in this moment, I have more of a chance than ever before to act like Jesus and not fight. Say no to that and thank you. I'll say yes to the blessing that comes because of that and I can do it. Why? Because every single one of our campuses, thick skin, soft hearts, can't lose. All right, and so we'll finish, we'll land the plane here with Jesus. And you knew we were gonna get back to Jesus and we're gonna, if you have your Bibles, go to Luke 23. I wanna uh, talk about a very specific scene 
at the end of Jesus' life. At this point in his journey, he's at the very end of uh, his, his life on this planet with the most painful part, with the most offensive and trying part right in front of him, okay? right in front of him. And, and this is around the time, this is right after the Last Supper. This is right when one of his best friends, Judas, betrays him, okay? And he's been arrested and unfairly tried and beaten and flogged and stripped naked and made fun of in front of all of his family and friends, right? And at this point, they're humiliating him even further because they hand him his cross and he's carrying his cross up a hill so that when he gets to the top of that hill, they can crucify him and kill him on that cross. That's where we're at in this story with Jesus. Luke 23, starting in verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And then check this right here. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He's praying for them right now. And they cast lots to divide his garments and and the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. So Jesus left heaven to come for us, fully aware that this day and this moment was coming. In fact, he intended it to. Don't make the mistake of thinking that Rome captured him. He voluntarily walked back into Jerusalem, straight into their handcuffs. And after they spent hours beating him and flogging him, when they ripped the beard from his face and spat on him and made fun of him and make him carry his cross to the top of the hill, They throw him into the dirt on top of a piece of wood and they ready themselves to nail Jesus to that piece of wood. And in that moment, what does Jesus do? He starts praying for the people who are killing him. He he goes, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're just desperate and broken. They don't know I'm God. They don't know the plan or the bigger picture. God, please forgive. Like, what does Jesus have in this moment? Skin that's thick enough to voluntarily walk back into an undeserved crucifixion and a heart that's soft enough to pray for the very people who are crucifying him, right? I mean, who is this God that we show up here to worship? Imagine being bloody and bruised and broken, laying in the dirt on top of that piece of wood, knowing that there's no way out. And you look over and you see a young soldier, a young man in his 20s, and he's got a hammer in one hand and a nine inch nail in another hand. And he's about to drive that nail straight through your wrist and you start praying for him? Like what kind of skin does this Jesus have? What kind of heart does this Jesus have? How big is this gospel, you guys? And what excuses are we left with to be offended by anything when Jesus Christ is our example? We have no excuse to be offended by the world and no reason to stop unconditionally loving the people in it. Which means, hey, we can let Starbucks have their holiday cups without getting our feelings hurt, right? because we have hearts soft enough to know that Starbucks needs Jesus just as bad as we do and skin thick enough to know that we shouldn't be surprised at the world for acting like the world. They're supposed to act like that, right? And our taking offense to it is not gonna change it. There's only one force 
in this universe that can change it. There's only one force that changes the hearts of people, and it is not offense. It is not bitterness or anger, even if that anger is righteously deserved, right? And it is not even the force of truth. Absolutely, the world needs truth right now, but it's love that sets the table for that truth to be served. Take away the love, and the truth falls powerlessly straight to the ground, right? Love from Christians, that's what the world needs. Love from Christians is what Starbucks needs. People in other religions, they need love from Christians. Your boss, your sibling, your coworker, your roommate, they need love from a Christian. That is the one unifying thing that brings all of us on this planet together. We all need the love of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we're the conduits that gets that love to a world. Soft hearts full of love and compassion to get to a world that so badly needs it. And our thick skin is the armor that gets that love to them. Thin skin serves no point but to just, to just slow that love down, right? And so I'm thinking, I, I picture Jesus laying there And I sometimes wonder, like, what was he thinking in that moment? And I don't really know fully, but I can tell you this. He was unoffended and full of love and empathetic and focused. Probably looking at this young soldier going, son, just do it. Send that nail straight through my wrist because that nail is going to work to accomplish something that you would not believe even if I told you. And I have loved you since before you were born and that's never gonna stop. I came here to save the planet and I'm gonna finish what I started no matter what kind of jabs or nails or spears that you bring in my direction because with thick skin and soft hearts, spears do not touch you even when they go straight through your side. And with thick skin and soft hearts, you are invincible to nails even when those nails kill you. Because what do nails touch? And what do spears touch? And gossip and the world wronging you people say in A, B, and like what, that, that touches your flesh, but it cannot touch your spirit. It kills this and leaves more of that. That's all it does. And so is our gospel big enough for us to, to not be offended and unconditionally love a world that is standing in direct opposition to what we believe? Well, if our God is big enough to go through hell on earth for millions if not billions of people who will never care that he did and not be offended and say, I'll do it again a million more times, then yeah, it is, it is. And so would you guys stand? No matter where we find ourselves, we fix our eyes on our example and our king and we preach ourselves into that quadrant because this is where freedom is. This is where you unconditionally love a world that hates you because no common can touch you. This is where you're effective and powerful. This is where Red Rocks Church becomes a force on this planet to be reckoned with is right here. You are a child of God. This is your identity. And sometimes on a Monday morning, you just need to talk yourself back into that identity because we are so prone to forget it. But you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. And if our king went through that, then we'll take whatever we have to take and not be offended and continue to unconditionally love, right? And if creation, and if creation worships this God and cries out to him, then that's what we're gonna do right now too.
Six easy words, one simple message for you, the most important pastor and preacher in your own life. Thick skin, soft hearts. Thick skin, soft hearts. Red Rocks Church, every one of our campuses, loud and proud. Thick skin, soft hearts. All right, God, we love you so much and we give you this time of worship. Jesus, thank you for doing what you did 2,000 years ago on that cross. Jesus, would you help us to fix our eyes on you? Would you allow us, God, to experience your presence for the next 15 minutes in worship unlike ever before? I pray that people would walk out of here completely different than how they came in. I pray that you'd make our hearts softer and our skin thicker as a community because that's where freedom is. That's where being an influence and and being effective in this world is found. That's who we were created to be. Thank you for being our king and our example. We love you. And we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Red Rocks, let's worship.